You are listening to Amplify Your Success Podcast, episode 236. And today we're going to go behind the scenes of the self-employed life and discover what really needs to be in place for long-lasting success. You ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success Podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level. You're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get Amplified. Hey there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. It's your host, Melanie Benson, authority amplifier to expertpreneurs just like you who want to build a successful business and stand out in a crowded market. Today, I've got a guest who's recently released a book called The Self-Employed Life, and we're going to dig into his long journey of self-employment and what he discovered really created an ecosystem for long-lasting and significant success. I'm really excited to share my guest with you today. But before I do, there's another area that a lot of times self-employed people neglect or they don't really know how to boost on demand and that's consistent cash flow. I'd like to share with you a resource. It has been one of my community's most favorite resource. And if you don't have it yet, you definitely want to get a copy. It's called Your Revenue Rush. It's 10 proven strategies to get a jump start of revenue whenever you need it most, several of which will help you create consistent, predictable cash flow. You can head to yourrevenuerush.com and get a copy of it. Now, as you listen into today's episode, I want you to think about as somebody who is either self-employed or on their way to being self-employed, maybe that is a goal that you've set, where is the weak area in what our guest lays out today? And what are you going to do differently after hearing this amazing wisdom besides maybe getting his book? I'd love to hear in our Amplify Your Authority Facebook group. I will hook that up in the show notes to make sure that you know how to join us. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, Amplifiers. Let's talk about the self-employed life. How many people can say they've never worked for anyone else? Selling eggs door-to-door at 14 years old began a lifetime of self-employment for today's guest. As a speaker and small business consultant, Jeffrey Shaw helps self-employed and small business owners gain control of their business at what seems like otherwise uncontrollable circumstances. Drawing on his experience as a renowned portrait photographer, Jeffrey shows business owners how to see business through a different lens and strategies to compose the often chaotic pieces of life and business into sustainable success. Jeffrey's TEDx Lincoln Square Talk is featured on TED.com, and he's the host of the top-rated podcast, The Self-Employed Life, author of the self-employed life business and development sorry the self-employed life business and personal development strategies that create sustainable success and lingo discover your ideal customer's secret language and make your business irresistible jeffrey so excited to talk with you today and welcome well thank you and gosh every time i hear my bio i think i have to come up with books with shorter subtitles (laughs) 
going to say, I was a little <laughs> bit in a tongue twister there. I'm like, I will get this out. I will get this out. <laughs> as, as, as the amplifiers will come to know, I have a lot to say. So it shows up in my subtitles too. <laughs> <laughs> Having a long subtitle is not a bad thing. <laughs> I just have to practice it a few times. Uh, well, I'm excited to talk to you today. And I was doing a little bit, you know, we, we've met in person before, mm -hmm. but I learned something new researching you and your book for today's episode. I discovered that you're a mother. Yes. Wow. That's really cool that you, you dug that up. Did you actually uh -huh. dig up, did you dig up the actual video? No, um, I didn't so, get that far, yeah, but let's was, tell our listeners what a mother is and uh, like what, what that's about. Yeah. So the moth are, you know, it's like TEDx on steroids in a way, like the moth are five minute talks and uh, there are moth events throughout the United States and um, locals, I'm in Miami. So there's a local moth event and uh, occasionally you're so surprised that, that, you know, your local moth talk might end up on uh, the national NPR channel. And when I did it, you know, I had been going for about a year and there's usually about 200 people in attendance uh, here in Miami and they only pick 10 to 12 speakers. So I've been putting my name in the hat for, for almost a year and never got chosen. And wouldn't you know, the one time I go unprepared, my name gets chosen. And, um, and there's a theme, as you know, there's always a theme each, each, uh, each month, there's a the theme. And uh, yeah, so the I wound up having the theme of wonder. And luckily I was seated up. I was, I was so not expecting to be called. I was sitting up in the balcony. So I had those five to seven minutes to think about what I was going to say as I was walking down to the stage, <laughs> but it's so much fun. Yes. If you've never heard of uh, the moth or seen a, a moth production, uh, Jeffrey, I'm going to twist your arm and see if I can get the video link from you so we can link it up in the show notes. They are so much fun and wow, they are powerful when you really hear like an excellent author. So kudos to you. That is something that's so outside my comfort zone. You probably will never see a video of me doing <laughs> well, the moth. <laughs> and mine is just a friend doing it on cell phone because they don't I don't know if they professionally videotape them because it's really mm -hmm. audio only. And mine mm -hmm. did get picked. So I coolest thing, Melanie, I don't want to drag this story on, but the, the event was on Tuesday. My mom and my aunt flew in to visit me in Miami on Wednesday. Thursday night, I took them out to dinner. We're in the restaurant and this person walks up to our table and said, did you just speak at the moth? And I hadn't told my mother what, the, I mean, yeah, most of our parents, she has no idea what I do for a living. So she already is confused. Like, how does this person know you? What's the moth? And then Saturday, I take my mother and my aunt to Key West, then it's a three hour drive. And don't you know, they broadcasted my math moth talk on NPR. So now I'm playing on the radio in my car, driving it to my mother. So at this point, she has no idea who her son is. <laughs> That is awesome. <laughs> and it was that just like this, so awesome. It's the weirdest sequence of events. And um, <laughs> so it's really audio driven. Therefore, they really don't. I don't know if they do any video, but what I have for video is literally just a friend taking it on a cell phone. All right. Well, we'll we'll see if we can hook it from up from the or balcony, not, no less. <laughs> yes, that's hilarious, though. I love that story so much, and I'm sure as a self-employed person, your whole life, your mom's always been like, um, "Okay, so do you actually make money? Do you do something where you don't like sit and watch TV all day?" Yeah. It's like our parents just really don't have a uh, a concept of being self-employed. No, I mean, gosh, I mean, I've 
I've spent 35 years being a photographer for very affluent families. So one, can you possibly make photography money as a photographer? And then who, who are these people that you work with? And now I'm a speaker and an author. I mean, yeah, my mother has just been, um, a really wonderful, you know, willing to go along on the ride, but, um, probably has can't imagine that, that I actually make a living doing what I do. Mm -hmm. But I get, I bet when she goes to the bookstore and she sees your book on the shelf, doesn't she get all giddy? And she's like, Oh my God, that's my son. Isn't that cool? Yeah. It's really cool when, uh, yeah. I mean, your parents turn around, they're proud. And my mother had back surgery last year and she wants to tell him the surgeon next thing I know I'm mailing a book to her surgeon. (laughs) So yeah. Sweet moments like that for sure. Yes. Well, let's talk about the subject behind your new book, Mm -hmm. which I'm very excited about for you. This idea of the self-employed life. You, you've actually coined this concept of an ecosystem of being Mm -hmm. self-employed. Unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah, sure. So, you know, having been in business for so many decades, of course, you know, our role as leaders uh, is to, to look for patterns in the world and, and see if we have a solution to solve that. And one of the fundamental problems that I've always seen for self-employed business owners is that they feel like they're all over the place, you know, and, and they will say things like, you know, I'm a hot mess. I feel like I'm all over the place. And I started realizing that part of the reason why self-employed business owners and small business owners feel like they're all over the place is that nobody's ever put everything in one place for us, right? It's not like there's a company that has all the resources for us. Uh, We hire coaches for our mindsets. We hire strategists for specific needs in our business. We hire, uh, you know, we, we go to conventions and conferences and we take trainings and it's no wonder we feel like we're all over the place. Like we're gathering, we're going out in the world and trying to gather all this information. And then on top of it, I have for years asked out of curiosity, self-employed people, like why they became self-employed. And everybody, Melanie, has the same answer or some variation of the same answer, which is I wanted to control, get control of my destiny or my future, to which I would respond and say, well, how is that going for you? <laughs> and you know, they laugh because we, that is the greatest myth of self-employment. We become our own bosses thinking we're going to control our future, but we're entering uncontrollable circumstances. The world is uncontrollable. The world is constantly changing. The market changes, technology changes, pandemics come along. I mean, who knows? So what I realized is that in my own business, what I learned to do was to set up the environment for the results I want. And that's where the idea of an ecosystem, the self-employed ecosystem comes from. Because what I can help people do is set up the environment for the results they want that will almost give you somewhat predictable results. And Melanie, what I also love about this is that when people concentrate and focus on putting all their effort into doing all the right things that make a complete ecosystem, If for some reason it doesn't work, can you really feel like a failure? And I wanted to remove that that feeling because people know they gave it their all. So I've constructed this this model, this this concept of the ecosystem around three main components, which are personal development, business strategies, and daily habits and mindsets. That like an ecosystem in nature, when you have all three of those components working and thriving in a healthy way, 
that's how you achieve success and happiness. But the problem is most people have at least one or two of those three areas that they're, they're not focused on. They're putting all their effort into the business strategies and wondering why they're not getting ahead. It's because they haven't worked on their personal development. So it's a contextual model that, you know, all three areas and it's where they overlap becomes much more clear on what they need to, where they need to put their work, what they're strong in and what they're weaker in. Hmm. I am fascinated by this idea of an ecosystem and love that terminology because I know in the work that I've done over these last 21 years with entrepreneurs and on myself, like if I don't have the inside part right, the outside part is definitely not going to fall into place. And if the inside starts slipping, you know, if I'm going through something even on a personal, you know, and like my family or personally, it really impacts what I can and like my capacity to take growth steps. How do you see that? Capacity is the key word, Melanie. I love these capacity is the key word because what we come to realize is our level of success is directly proportionate to our inner capacity, right? Whether, so every time I've wanted to grow my business, I first turn to myself to say, well, what do I, who do I need to grow into in order to handle, welcome, and receive the level of success that I want? So I've always looked at it as, as capacity. So we need to increase our personal capacity as well as our business capacity. You know, even in the book, I talk about, I get practical too, and I talk about systems and say a business needs to build systems in their business for the business to come, not the business they have in order for the capacity to be greater than your current state so that you can welcome more. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so let's unpack this idea of personal capacity a little bit more because mm-hmm. I know what that means. But for our Amplify community, what's an example of how we would expand our personal capacity for success? Yeah. So one of the one of the exercises I work with my clients uh, when starting off, and I have a very what I, also what I've learned as a coach, having been a coach for. Uh, 12, 13 years or so, is what people are looking for now is they they want tangible results within a certain time frame, right? So I've I've reorganized, and I still do longer term one to one coaching, but I, I now offer uh, coaching that's much more specific. And one of the first exercises I start off with, because I do start with personal development, I start with expanding the capacity, is I ask my clients to get very clear on what it is that they want to get away from. And here's why I asked that question, Mally, because we're so often, you know, motivation tends to be a dangling carrot. The way we've been taught about achieving our goals is what do you want to go towards? The problem is what you want to go towards while temporarily exciting and invigorating isn't sustainable. What helps people truly make a difference in their life, I and mean, we're talking about big change, like I want big results for people. What truly inspires them to make that big change is getting very clear on what they want to get away from that they never want again. I want to get away from not having enough money. I want to get away from uh, you know, overworking. Like, What is it that you really want to get away from to the degree that you actually grow to hate 
what you want to get away from. And I use the word hate in my book. And it was interesting that a couple of the advanced readers thought that that was too aggressive. And I'm like, why shouldn't that be aggressive? Right? Why shouldn't, you know, one of the, I, I actually play with that idea in the book and I, and I present this scenario that if somebody says to you, you're going to get what you deserve. Let's, I'll even say it more for us. You're going to get what you deserve. What do you, Melanie, or what do most people, how do most people respond to that? If I say to you, Melanie, you're going to get what you deserve. Yeah. Most people are like, I don't know what I deserve. Right. Or they, they, small. they immediately feel like they're going to be punished. Right. Mm -hmm. When people say to you, you're going to get what you deserve. People think, oh my gosh, something bad's going to happen to me. And my point is, is that why shouldn't we just as aggressively say to somebody, you're going to get all that you deserve because you deserve it, right? Because you deserve all the happiness and the success and abundance that you seek. Like, why shouldn't we say that to one another and to ourselves with a same degree of assertiveness? So I do believe that we need to get really clear on what we're so tired in our lives that we don't want it anymore in order to be truly inspired to move forward. Mm, that so is... that's, that's a way that I start my clients off on the journey of change so that we're increasing the capacity before them. That is so intriguing because mindset is such an important piece of the puzzle. You know, we've all seen that uh, iceberg, right? Where the tip of it's mm -hmm. above water and that's what we see, but there's so much below the surface that's influencing and playing out in the way we make decisions. And I think that's what I'm hearing you say is this is a big part of what is influencing our choices and our vision of what we, we focus on, what our goals are. So that's, that's very rich and very, that's a very powerful part of, of getting the foundation right. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's in the book, I, I talk a lot about the, uh, my partner and I kayak a lot on the weekends. And, you know, I even started, it was interesting how all everything was collapsing together as I'm writing the book, I'm writing a book, you, you know, referring to the self-employed ecosystem and spending a lot of time in nature that, you know, that was, I took up, we took up kayaking as a survival mechanism during the lockdown. Right, because one thing that was safe was being in a kayak by yourselves in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> so, you know, it became the perfect social distancing. And so here I'm writing a book about environment in, in business in nature's environment. And there were so many metaphors that started presenting itself. How and what one of the things I noticed was that it's a double person kayak, and he's in the back, I'm on the front. And I'm in the front because of so many years of doing yoga, I can actually cross my legs and he can't. So I'm in the front. And what I noticed was that if I took a break from paddling, we continued almost at the same speed. But if he stopped paddling, it, we slowed right down. And I realized it's so much more difficult to pull weight behind you than it is to push forward. And that's where this idea of what we want to get away from really became clear to me. It was already a theory that I had seen so much in my coaching clients, but it became grounded through kayaking because I realized how just like in life, like dragging stuff behind us is hard, right? Old mindsets or old baggage, carry, that's why it's called baggage. Carrying that behind us, dragging it along behind us is hard. When we want to really move forward, we need to push off from that which we want to get away from so that we can move forward.
And there's so many metaphors about kayaking as far as current and direction. I could go on forever about kayaking and the metaphors, but, um, but I won't. It sounds like a whole book in itself. <laughs> it could be. Was it with the hitch? Was the hey? There was a book about hitchhiking, right? I could do a book. I could do a business sure. book about uh, kayaking. Kayaking for success. I don't know. <laughs> That's probably not the best title. <laughs> well, your second component of the ecosystem is about business strategies. And, you know, we know once we get the insight right, we've got to be able to take the right actions. And that's where strategy comes in. Tell us, like, maybe what we need to really focus in on the most in the strategy department to see a shift in results. Mm -hmm. So for one is they have to be right-sized strategies. You know, and that's, the book is, you know, geared towards self-employed business owners. So therefore, um, you know, just as my podcast is, and I really stay focused on my podcast for being for businesses of pot, probably five or fewer people, many are which are of which are businesses of one. Okay. So yeah, I know there are larger companies that listen, but I keep very focused on who I'm serving and they are, I'm out to serve businesses of five or fewer people. So Part of it is having the right sized business strategies because a lot of what we see in the world is for more traditional size businesses, way too big for us. Many businesses tend to be transactionally based. Most self employed businesses are in a relation based business, even if it's a product, right? You want that, you want somebody to buy your product time and time again. So you're building a relationship with them. So I just found that as I was building my businesses over the years that I could get ideas from the outside world, but they always had to be adapted, right? So even like our websites, our websites need to feel authentic and personal. Um, whereas, you know, a bigger brand might have a bigger brand feeling to it. So I think fundamentally one thing to understand is that you need strategies that, that look and feel right size for you. It was interesting as a speaker, when I first started speaking, it was interesting to me how often I would come off the stage and people would come up to me and, and thank me for giving them permission. And Melanie, it took me the longest time to figure out, I would just nod my head and say, you know, thank you, or I'm glad you got that out of it. Cause it sounded like a coachy thing to say. <laughs> and, but having no idea what they were talking about until I realized how many people were craving for a way to be in business in a way that felt good to them. So one of the very practical strategies I teach in the book or what is what I call hug marketing. And hug marketing is my adaptation of a marketing funnel because I, I don't think a marketing funnel in its traditional way feels good for most self-employed businesses. If you just consider the shape of a funnel, it implies that you're wide open, your heart is open, you're, you're open to all people at the top because it's wide. And then for some weird reason, the closer we get people to working with us, we're squeezing them through a small hole at the bottom. And I get the intention of a marketing funnel, stepping people from one thing to another, but I don't like the energy of what you're, what you're thinking, how you're thinking about your customers. So I created what I refer to as hug marketing, which is a series of concentric circles. So instead of imagining we're open at the top and squeezing people through a small hole, now we have a series of concentric circles. So we recognize that there are people on the outer ring, what I call lurkers, which are those that are following us on social media, but we don't know who they are or listening to our podcast, but we don't know them by name. 
And then step by step, they come in closer, right? They, they go from being a lurker to being curious. And they go from being curious to being engaged, right? They're starting to engage in conversation. They go from being engaged to connecting to us. Maybe they've opted into our email list. They go from connect after a relationship is built, hopefully they become a customer. And then once they become a customer, the ultimate goal is what I refer to as the hug customer. Those are the customers that you would hug them if you saw them. Those are the customers that love you so much they're going to come back time and time again. And those are the customers that are going to be eager to tell other people about you. So I energetically like the the task of bringing people from the outer circles to, to the center, to the, your heart, then squeezing them through a small hole. <laughs> right. All I can see is this a funnel in my head now and like exactly. trying to push people through a tiny hole. <laughs> right. And I believe that these are ways that people, that self-employed business owners have been craving for different language. I really feel like based on the response I get, I feel like small businesses and self-employed business owners have been craving a different way of being in business. So that's what I mean about right-sized business strategies, those that work for you and those that feel good for you. I love the idea of hug marketing. And oh, me too. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> want to have the kind of relationship, especially if you're working one-on-one -on -one with people, who doesn't want to have, well, I don't know why I said that. Like we want that with all of our clients. We want yeah. to have that kind of connection. And I think some people, as they see the possibility for expansion, there's this conflict conflicted feeling or fear that I'm going to lose the ability to touch those people and give them that hug. So like how, like when people are ready to scale and expand a bit more, how do we keep that really authentic emotional bond with people yeah. and allow ourselves to scale the reach and the impact of our business? Yeah. And a lot of the ways in which we become scalable is through technology, but technology as a business owner, you get to decide through technology whether you're going to make your customers feel like one of a million or one in a million. And you can make a difference. So just look at, for example, uh, our database or your email list. And a, an email list, you know, gosh, I, I would, this is advice I wish I got 20 years ago when email was starting right? Because it would be so much easier. But what you want to do today is you want to segment your email list to, to whatever personality characteristics you can possibly have so that it isn't one size fit all email marketing. Imagine the power of knowing certain characteristics, what I refer to as emotional triggers. If you know things that, you're, that a certain segment of your clients respond to emotionally, you can address an email that way. Right. You can write it. So let's say, and it doesn't, you know, if you've got thousands of people on your email list there, you may find that there are, you know, having written a book called lingo, you may find that there are maybe five primary lingos amongst your, your database, your entire list. So really you just, maybe there's five different versions and your, your email list is segmented by what they are, what's going to emotionally move them in an email. So you're just writing that email in a slightly different way. So for example, in my business, um, because my roots are as a photographer, I've got a pretty significant creative audience. Well, creative audiences think a certain way as opposed to the more, you know, you know somewhat serious entrepreneurial audience that I have, which 
tend very often to come from my podcast. Uh, but then there are startups, and which is an expanding audience for me because I have always worked primarily with self-employed businesses and small businesses that, that are generally established. But I'm because of the work I'm doing, I'm starting to attract a lot of people in a startup stage because what they recognize is if they had this information early on, it might save them a lot of years and money. Um, so, but again, I would I need to speak a little differently to a startup audience. So, and you can you can again leveraging technology as you scale, you can put out different lead magnets, different content for which people would want to opt into for each audience. So you might put out something that is valuable to a startup audience. And when they opt in for that, they are tagged in your system as startup audience. So now when you send out an email, you're personalizing it to them. And it's it's more than just you know name merge, right? You know, dear so-and-so, just it's more than just merging their name. It's going that extra mile to personalize the information that you're sending them so it doesn't feel like it's one size fits all. And I and I here's what I think, Melanie. I mean, I don't think I think consumers today are so sophisticated. It's not as though they don't know that they're getting a similar email, but I do believe they reward you for the effort. They reward you for that added effort that you are, if not respect and admire you for your marketing. I do believe they reward you by you going through the effort of making them feel like one of a million instead of one in a million. That's a great framework. I, I love that that came up. Uh, and it's so true. Like, can you really touch people in that way? Uh, so I've got a couple of more personal questions I want to get to. But before I, I do that, if somebody wanted to take that next step with you, Jeffrey, like what is uh, the best resource or the best place for them to find out more about you and get started? Yeah, well, a perfect segue from what we were just talking about. So um, we have created a tool uh, called the Self-Employed Assessment Tool, which you can get at selfemployedassessment.com. And it's a wonderful, simple series of questions that are well-pointed, but when you answer the questions, it lets, you'll get results back and it lets you know whether you are stronger and weaker in personal development, business strategies, and, and or daily habits. And it will give you some advice on what you can do. And it lets me know where you need support so that as I reach out to you, I can communicate you to you in based on the results of your assessment. So it is doing exactly what I just described, even within that one tool, people that get the results that they want, it segments them in, on our own database so that we know how we can support you best. Yeah, I, I love that you're doing that. And assessments and quizzes and things like that are such a great way to help put your potential clients in the right um, source of resource base or you know follow up with them in the right way. It's, it's a great way to make them feel like one of a million rather than one in a million. <laughs> and it's important they get individualized results. I mean, I, I paid a small fortune for this assessment <laughs> so that it's accurate results. I and mean, based on how you answer it, it's going through this wild algorithm calculation <laughs> to actually, based on your answers, direct you towards the support we think you need. Yeah, perfect. And I have to step back. I said, I said it backwards. It's how do you make somebody feel like one in a million, not one of a million? <laughs> Correct. Wanted to make sure because I know I'm going to get people emailing me, Melanie, did you mean that the opposite way? Yes, I did. Yeah. 
so Jeffrey, I always like to take my guests back in time because you have um, really, you've created so much success in your self-employed journey, but I know there's probably been some pivotal moments along the way. What would you say is the boldest move you had to make to be at the place you are in your business today? Hmm. You know, the boldest move, which is a story that I share in my previous book, Lingo. Um, but the I don't know that I even say it in the book, but it was it was the the thought process. We talked early on about the the inner process we need to go through. Um, but I'll sum it up by saying when I got out of photography school at 20 years old, I went back to my hometown to start a photography business uh, and struggled for three years. And it was a failing business and I, I needed to do something. And there was a pivotal moment, that bold move when a client came in uh, and it was clear to me that I was not speaking her lingo, which is the entire principle of the book lingo. Like I realized, oh my gosh, it's not that I'm not good at what I do. It's not that what I do isn't valuable. It's I'm literally offering the right, the things that that's right to me to the wrong people. And the bold move was sitting there and thinking, I have a choice, which I think a lot of us self-employed business owners face. Do I want to change everything about myself and who I am to fit into the market, somebody else's box? Or do I want to drop more into who I am and believe and trust with all my heart that there's an audience of people out there waiting for me to show up? And that was the choice I made. That was the bold move I made. The bold move I made was to trust that there was an audience of people waiting for me to show up. And the more I got to know myself, the more I increased my capacity the more I would know who that audience is and they would see me and we all want to be seen. And what I realized as a photographer, crazily, is that I was meant to serve very affluent families and it had nothing to do with their money. What it had to do with was I thought like them. We had similar values. As a photographer, I became a photographer because I was so passionate about preserving life's moments and, and having photographs to hand down and preserving, you know, life is fleeting and it, it goes by so quick. And I just, it's always been so important to me to share, to preserve those moments. And I realized the problem was in my own hometown, it was, you know, lower middle class. Nobody had the money to worry about their future. I needed to work with affluent people who had the discretionary income who could plan ahead. And photography is so much, especially the very high-end, beautiful art photography that I do, it, they, it needed to be aligned with people who could invest not just the amount of money, but invest in having portraits that became heirlooms and handed down because that was of a high value to them. So that was the boldest move ever. And that was at age 23. I'm now 56. So, you know, it was a long time ago, but absolutely busy, boldest move I ever made was to say, I'm not going to change who I am to fit somebody else's box. I'm going to become more who I am and figure out who wants that. And that's what I did. Yeah. Love it. That is a bold move. <laughs> Takes a lot of courage. Okay. Second question. And um, I'm really curious to hear how you answer this. What do you do on challenging days when everything's going wrong to get yourself back on track and keep going? 
And you know, Melanie, right now there's a lot of them. Um, there's a lot of challenging days because I prepared myself for the season and I looked at it as a season. So maybe that's one part of it, right? Everything's a season. Nothing lasts forever. Everything in life is temporary. So I also prepare myself when I know I'm going into a challenging time. And challenging, by the way, doesn't mean that it's difficult things or hard things. For me, the season I was entering was, um, you know, I'd be, I was, would be launching a book. I was launching a two-day online summit. Um, I was going to be asking really high, you know, really well-known speakers to speak for free on this summit. I was going to be asking people for endorsements and I was going to be asking people to do reviews of the book. I was going to be asking people to buy the book. And what I knew, again, as you can get, I, I'm all about setting up the environment. I prepared myself for realizing I'm going to be taking a lot of swings for the fence and most are not going to make it over. And to prepare yourself for that ahead of time, the, there is, it's, your level of discouragement is almost entirely proportionate to how big you're swinging. And if you know that ahead of time, it's okay, right? So I know I'm swinging big at this season that I'm in launching a book. So when though, and there have been plenty, cause there are a lot of no's. There are a lot of no's when you're taking a lot of sw swings, right? And, but it was knowing that. And then in addition to that, I always have some sort of a, a tool I'm working on. And as I'm speaking to you right now, I have a post-it note stuck on my computer, which to describe what it looks like, it has the word ambition, and then it has four arrows shooting at the ambition. And those four arrows are what I call the overlook monster. That's my biggest nemesis. That's the, the little voice in my head that tells me I'm not important and nobody's noticing anything I'm doing. And there's another arrow that says doubt, right? That's that arrow of doubt that, oh, you know, no one's going to buy this book. You know, it's not going, it's not selling as quickly as I would like, uh, whatever it might be. Next arrow is one of insecurity, right? We all know what insecurity feels like. And then the fourth arrow is fear. Like, wow, I'm really, I am stepping up big. And I have visuals. So I've got this word ambition and these four arrows shooting at it because of what I, the tool I'm working with, as I say, you know, I am one of the most ambitious people you'll ever meet. The problem is a lot of times my ambition can be like having my foot on the brake because I'm allowing that overlook monster, the, the voice of doubt, the insecurity and the fear to slow down my ambition. What I know is if I get those four things out of the way, my ambition is un stoppable. So how I get myself through challenging times is to be doing that inner work all the time and figure out what, how, what do I need to do to create a clear, clear path here? I know something's going to be coming at me. Some old inner critic, some saboteur is going to be coming at me. What, who is it going to be? And what do I need to do to get it out of the way? And that's how I get through the most challenging times. Mm, that was great. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. What a framework. All right, my friends, you want more Jeffrey, go and take the self-assessment. Give us that URL one more time. Selfemployedassessment.com. And make sure you pick up a copy of the book when it's available. What's the best way for them to do that? So what I go to, um, the best page is the selfemployedlife.me uh, because in addition to it featuring the book, it also has a 
bunch of free resources on it. Um, so the selfemployedlife.me, and I'll tell you, Melanie, the other thing that's important to me about that is I wrote a book for self-employed business owners. I didn't necessarily want all the book sales to go through the big behemoth. <laughs> so I created uh, relationships with nine online retailers so that you have a choice. <laughs> you can buy from the big guy, but you also have choices to buy from some smaller online businesses, one of which 10% of the proceeds goes back to independent uh, indie bookstores. So I wanted to make sure that I was, in fact, walking my talk and also actually supporting self-employed and small businesses. Mm, I love that. Well done, Jeffrey. All right. Thank you. Let's support those uh, independent bookstores and give them the solopreneur success that they deserve. Thank you so Absolutely. much, Jeffrey, coming today and sharing all of this extraordinary wisdom. You know, you bring you bring a, a, a really unique perspective, having been self-employed for so long and having success at many different junctures, you're bringing us a whole new perspective on, on what it takes. And congratulations oh, on you. the book again. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Melanie. Thanks for tuning in today, Amplifier. Be sure to join us right now in the Amplify Your Authority community at authorityamplifiers.com, and I'll share my seven proven tips to be a highly paid expert that stands out in a crowded market. Plus, we're going to keep this conversation going, and I want to hear from you how you're going to amplify your authority and make a greater impact. Before you go, please take a minute to give our show and our guests some love over on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave your full name, and I'll spotlight you and your authority on social media. <laughs>